Welcome to the 26th episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gadiel Cartagena, speaking with co-host Tyler Yarnell. Today we talk about what effect, if any, the opt-outs had on the 2020 season and finish things off with some buy or sell on quote-unquote aging running backs. Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. So we were expecting to talk about all the crazy opt-outs and these big names left and right just falling off the season and just not playing this year. And lo and behold, the absolute biggest name that opted out of this season was Tyler, none other than who? Uh, If we're talking from fantasy, it's probably Damian Williams. Absolutely, Damian Williams. And it kind of, I mean, it was like an earthquake in the fantasy community. Like, everybody was going crazy. I know you texted me like, yo, Damian Williams opted out. Like, CEH through the roof, whatever. Nah, nah, nah. DeAndre Washington season. Well, that's also true, and we'll get to that. But um, regarding Damian Williams, and obviously the reason we were kind of low on Clyde Edwards-Alaire is because Damian Williams was arguably deserved to be the Super Bowl MVP. I mean, obviously Pat Mahomes also deserved it, but Damian Williams was a huge reason why they won in the Super Bowl against a great defense. So obviously this guy is going to come in, and yes, they had a first-round pick on Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but Damian Williams was still going to see his fair share in this offense. I think we were both looking at this as a committee. And obviously with Damian Williams gone, what is the impact on Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Assuming his price tag is like RB8, um, are you buying or selling our uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire as pretty much a low to mid RB1? It's tough to say right now. I'm going to say sell right now just because, you know, it's it's a very uh, tough situation right now with given the, the – I think it's a late start for a training camp, and he just hasn't been able to work with uh, Pat Mahomes or this whole offense throughout the whole summer. So um, – Trusting that with my RB1 selection, when I know that I can get uh, other values at, at, or at the running back position, I'm just going to steer away from that and uh, look for other options for, from more experienced guys and uh, guys that I know that I can trust as my RB1. Yeah, so with obviously Clyde Hilaire is a great player. Um, I see a lot of Devin Singletary, like a supercharged Devin Singletary in him. Like he, he's a really good player. Stop starts really great. Uh, contact balance, everything you kind of want from a running back, except for top end speed, which I don't think is all that valuable, especially for a guy like him. But I, I like exactly what you said. Like there are proven commodities at as your RB1 that you can get in like the late first round as opposed to taking Clyde Hilaire who you're projecting him and you're hoping that he can be what Kareem Hunt was his rookie season. What a lot of people forget is obviously he was playing with Alex Smith, who threw the ball more to the quarterback or the running back position. Um, I think Kareem Hunt was on pace for 50 targets total with Pat Mahomes in like that big year that he had before he obviously uh, video came out and he was suspended for the rest of the season. But you're hoping for that with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And I think if you're hoping for this guy to come in and be like an immediate like 60, 70 catch guy from the jump, it's possible. I don't think that's something that you should bank on regardless of how talented he is. There are so many weapons in this offense and so many different ways that they can beat you that Clyde Odetelaire is going to be running the football a lot. Obviously, he's going to catch passes, no doubt. But I'm not taking him over a guy like Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, uh, I think he's right there with like Kenyon Drake because they're both pretty risky and both have really good upside. Um, I think Kenyon Drake probably is more like rush yards just because of how easy it is to run in that Arizona offense and their offensive line actually does really well with that scheme. 
And the Chiefs didn't have the best run-blocking offensive line last year, and I think it got worse, not better, with uh, two opt-outs on their offensive line. Yes, they brought in Kalechi Osmele, but he's coming off of hip surgery. Kind of a risky acquisition. Uh, so we'll see how that pans out for them. But Clyde Edgelair, RB8, I will actually sell that. I think there's exactly what you said. There's just better players to get in the late first round. Yeah, and um, I, I like what you said about uh, putting him in that that Kenyon Drake tier because with b- both those guys, you know, they're, they're very boom bust in the, in, from a week-to-week basis. Like, they're, they're both very talented. Like you said, the, the offensive scheme in Arizona is very good for uh, runners and can open up holes for them because there's not as many stack boxes. So uh, I, I'd like to put them in that tier because they both have that RB – or that top five upside if everything goes right for them. Uh, but mentioning Kenyon Drake w- reminds me that uh, there was another opt-out over in Arizona, and that's Marcus Gilbert, probably their best tackle on their team. Yeah. So um, That's a I big one, actually. Impact, I, forgot, I forgot that one. That's a big opt-out. Yeah, so with that being said, I think that they're going to bring in uh, Josh Jackson as their – Josh Jones. As their, Josh Jones. Oh, sorry. He yeah, was the – From Houston, third round pick. I think. Third-round pick, yeah. Yeah. So he's he's probably going to come in and start from the from right from the get go. So that's um, definitely not ideal, considering that Marcus Gilbert was a was a talented veteran and uh, pro- possibly one one of their probably one of their best offensive linemen or possibly their best offensive linemen last season. So yeah, yeah, Marcus Gilbert hurts. Um, I don't necessarily think it hurts. I just think that, that that scheme is so bulletproof for running backs. Like, there's just so much space. Like, they spread the field so nicely. Uh, Kenyon Drake's is never going to see a stacked box. And especially with DeAndre Hopkins, the offensive line is less of an impact on a player like Kenyon Drake than it is on, I don't know, almost any other RB in the league. Uh, kind of the same thing with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But I don't know if Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the guy that's going to hit the hole immediately and just, like, home run threat uh Kenyon Drake does that in that offense with all that space Clyde Edgelair is more of like a I'm gonna make you miss and hope to gain 20 yards on this play more of like a small Le'Veon Bell type as opposed to Kenyon Drake who's just like I'm gonna hit this hole and just go for 80 yards and that's just what he can do but anyways um so obviously Clyde Edgelair big boost he's more likely than not to finish as an RB1 um I'm selling him as an RB8 and uh one of the running backs in this backfield now that I think is a great target in drafts is DeAndre Washington. So how are you feeling about DeAndre Washington? Uh, he was going undrafted. I think now he's probably going to fall around like the 13th, 12th round, kind of like the handcuff range. Are you buying DeAndre Washington as the clear handcuff to Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Yeah, and I think that this was a guy that you were pretty high on uh, early on in the offseason before they went and got Clyde Edwards-Alaire because your reasoning was that he was a, a Damien Williams injury away from being the guy in this offense. And I kind of agreed with you because we saw what he could do as the lead back in Oakland last season when Josh Jacobs went down. He was uh, tasked to get, uh, or I think, around 18 to 20 touches. He was basically the workhorse in that offense. Yeah. So we've seen we've seen Dwayne Washington get the workload. But uh, something that we found out through uh, one of our followers uh, the past few weeks was that Dwayne Washington went to Texas Tech with Pat DeAndre Holmes. Washington. What, what did I say? Dwayne. DeAndre Washington went to Texas Tech with uh, Pat Mahomes uh, while they were both there. And Mahomes went out and reached out to DeAndre Washington and, like, like convinced him to 
consider coming to the Chiefs. So um, I think that's very interesting. It's a, it, they're guys that, that have worked together. And uh, I think that his role in this offense could be the third down, third down back that, that Pat Mahomes trusts because they've, they've played together for several years. And um, I think that trust is more important than ever considering like the lack of reps that, that a lot of these teams have gone together uh, this this whole offseason. So I think that DeAndre DeAndre Washington could be a very very interesting piece to get. Stash maybe like the the last pick of your draft, I think, is around where he'd be going. And um yeah, he's he's right back to that range of he like one uh running back injury away from being the guy in the, the this offense. So uh Washington's definitely a guy that I that I'll be targeting. Uh, I mean I picked him up right in our dynasty league right when I, I found out about the news about Damian Williams. So um, I'm definitely, I might be higher than most on him just because of the trust that him and Mahomes has. But, um, you know, considering that he was just a free agent pickup, like I, I don't mind doing that. So I, I like DeAndre, Was- DeAndre Washington pick. Yeah, so he's pretty much, uh, if you're looking for late-round lottery tickets, he's literally one Clyde Artiger, like, pulled hamstring away from being an RB1 on whatever given week. It doesn't matter the matchup. Like, if Clyde Artiger is down and DeAndre Washington is taking, like, that 65%, maybe plus, I think he would probably get more work than Clyde Artiger. Maybe just, I don't think they're going to put everything on Clyde Artiger's plate from the jump. And I think DeAndre Washington, although it's his first year in the system, like you said, he has played with Pat Mahomes before. Uh, he was playing in Oakland, so he kind of, I guess, has experience uh, in the NFL. Obviously, he did have some workhorse weeks, and he's a plug-and-play guy that can kind of do everything, first down, second down, third down. He's a really, in my opinion, I think he's a pretty good running back. Uh, I think I would love to see him get more opportunity. And he's one injury away from being what we thought Damian Williams would be last year. So if you can get that super late in your drafts, Absolutely the way to go. And we'll move on from the Chiefs. Um, just some small-named opt-outs, but Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson opted out in Miami. And I think from this, Devontae Parker, Mike Gesicki, and Preston Williams, all three of them, not a huge boost, but I think you're more secure in drafting them now because you can expect this entire target share to be funneled through these three guys. So, Tyler, does do these small names opting out kind of affect the way you think about these three, or do you expect like just a next man up uh, mentality and they'll still play other bench guys? You know, I think that it definitely earns gives more reps to the the trio that you're talking about, Jasicki, Williams, and Parker, because you know the those two names, Hearns and Jakeem Grant, were going to command a lot of targets throughout the season, but. I mean, between those two, we can assume that they're going to get about 80 to 100 targets total. So uh, with that being said, like adding that on to that trio, even getting like like 20 targets each, 15 targets each, I think that that boosts their their floor a bit more uh, just be, by virtue of like getting more opportunities for each of them. So with Devontae Parker, I think that we had him as a low wide receiver three in our latest rankings. Yeah, that'll move already, up. Yeah, that, that'll move up a bit more. Uh, Preston Williams is someone that we kind of uh, looked over during our rankings early on in the offseason. Uh, someone that we're definitely looking to um, draft late in our drafts because he does have a lot of upside to be like a, like a, uh, a very good receiver. 
And Jasicki, I think that it, it's just been a roller coaster with us with Jasicki just because <laughs> literally uh, uh, at first we assumed he was going to be the slot. Then uh, we assumed that he wasn't going to be the slot. And now like these two guys have opted out and we, he may be assuming the slot role in this Jamie yeah. offense, <laughs> which is, which is very important considering that um, the tight end uh, position did not get much volume in this offense whenever he was the the offensive coordinator slash head coach. I don't I don't think he was ever a head coach. I don't know why I said that. Um, but in the slot role, the the slot got a lot of volume in this offense. So if he's able to command that role, I think that it could be very beneficial for uh con- i mean considering that the the tight end position is very hard to gauge because there there isn't a lot of volume going around it's more so just like finding the guys that get a lot of volume and they're probably going to be a top five option yeah so um yeah he with, could uh, be that which is the crazy to think about um his efficiency has been horrible to this point in his career but like you said tight end is you're you're it's a guessing game. Um, I mean if you want to guess efficiency great good for you but the safest bet to make at the tight end position is volume and he's a guy that now looks like he's going to see as much volume as almost any other tight end in the league. So I don't like Mike Kosicki, the player, but he's super athletic and there's a chance he improves. I'm not going to write him off completely. He's only going into year three. So Mike Kosicki is a pretty solid target now. Um, really quick, Patriots defense, obviously Chung, Hightower. Uh, also, you had Marcus Cannon, Brandon Bolden, Matt Lacoste and Marquise Lee all opt out. So they did take some hits on this team. Do you think this affects any of their players at all? I don't think it's drastic enough to necessarily adjust their their rankings or like adjust our our opinions on the players. Uh, Marcus Cannon coming out that that, that hurts for uh, Sony Michelle and Damian Harris, but for the most part, I don't think it it it's the be all end all, like. Um, I don't think that necessarily that affects the offensive line like a drastic amount. Yeah. Even though he is a he's a talented player, like there's other great players that are coming in. David Andrews is coming back. Um, I think yeah, I, David Andrews I think is such a much bigger impact. Like Marcus Cannon at this point yeah. in his career is like virtually replaceable. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see uh, Yadni Kajus. I'm a Patriots fan, so I know everything going on with this stuff. I was uh, gonna ask you who the other tackle is. Yeah. So we have Isaiah Wynn on the left side. I think he's yeah, improving. Yeah. If he stays healthy, he could have a Pro Bowl year. Um, Yadni Kajus is the guy from West Virginia. He was touted as a first-round talent, but he had, like, a really bad, I want to say, like, knee or hip injury. I'm not particularly sure what it was, but uh, he slipped in the draft all the way to the third round. Patriots took him there. So he was kind of, like, red-shirted last year. Uh, he was hurt, obviously, uh, on and off with the practice squad, whatever. And I think this year he could actually see some pretty solid playing time. And he could end up being a serviceable tackle. So I don't think Cannon has, like, the biggest impact. I think the bigger impact is Chung and Hightower. And um, obviously it helps everyone that catches passes. Uh, the running backs, I'm not really sure who I want from the running backs in this backfield anyways. Damian Harris, I'll take a stab at. But the running backs, I'm not like super crazy about right now. Um, I think Cam Newton does see a little bit of a boost because they are going to probably rely on him a little bit more. And the more you put on Cam's plate, the better. I think he's someone that can deliver. Will he do it? We'll see. Can he stay healthy? We'll see. But the opportunity is going to be there for him to kind of blow up in this offense, obviously. So, yeah, I don't really think uh, – it's not the biggest impact, but I think there's a slight uptick for the Patriots' pass catching and quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I'm not um, 
I don't think that it's a crazy impact either, but just because given how amazing the, this Patriots defense was last season, I think that we're all assuming a bit of regression considering the, the, the points that they're putting on the board last season. I think that you posted something uh, that they scored more points than Chris Godwin as a whole last season. So I, I think that was just like mind blowing to me. Uh, but given that, I, I think that with the, some of the linebackers uh, opting out, uh, Patrick Chung, Chung opting out, uh, you guys brought in some other guys, Adrian Phillips. And um, I think that Chase Winovic is someone that can step up a bit more this upcoming season going into his second year and kind of assume that role. So I don't think that it, the, the defense affects it much uh, either. But, um, yeah, I think I, I, I can see uh, James White maybe getting a little bit more of an uptick uh, as well as Nikhil Harry and uh, Edelman. Yeah, the, the Patriots passing offense as a whole, I just think uh, it's slightly more optimistic for them. But nonetheless, it's still kind of a interesting. Uh, everyone's projecting. No one really knows what's going to happen. It all really depends on Cam's shoulder and his health, whatever. But we'll move on from the Patriots. We'll do a little bit of buy or sell for aging running backs. So these guys are all either on a franchise tag or past their first contracts. So we'll start things off. Buy or sell really quick. We'll go really quick through all these. Derrick Henry, RB6. Are you buying or selling that in half PPR? I'm going to say this is tough. I don't, I don't like him at RB6. I'm going to say sell just because I'd rather get him as a low RB1. He's a secure guy, but, um, you know, I just I – just, I, I, I'd rather get the pass catching ability from another guy around that area. Yep. I a hundred percent agree. I'm selling for the reason you said the, the lack of pass catching ability is going to make him a game script dependent RB one. And what you don't want from your RB one is game script dependency, because if there is a game where this defense is getting killed and they are getting blown out, Derrick Henry is rendered negligible. Like he's just, he's not going to do much. He's not going to catch that many passes. He'll probably catch like 20 passes throughout the year. Hopefully they get him more involved in the screen game, but I don't think it happens. Um, so yeah, I'll be selling Derrick Henry as the RB6, not someone I want to rely on. Kenyon Drake, RB11. I like him at RB11. I'm, I maybe take him a bit later, but I like him at RB11 uh, for the reasons we talked about earlier. Just like the he has a lot of upside this season, given that he's never going to see a stack box. I think he was at like a 5% rate uh, during the time that he was at Arizona. So um, yeah, I like Kenyon Drake. I'd love to have him as my RB2. Yeah, Kenyon Drake is my RB2. I will be buying that. I think he has just as much upside as almost anybody in fantasy football right now. So I will definitely be buying that. Like you said, this offense is just tailor-made to kind of help running backs thrive on the ground. And Kenyon Drake is, in my opinion, a perfect fit for this offense. I can only really think like Dalvin Cook and maybe like Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley would be better fits. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely uh, buying Kenyon Drake there. And now we'll move uh, to like a trio of uh, aging RBs or aging with parentheses around that uh melvin gordon rb17 are you buying or selling i'm buying that here because we we saw how talented he could be uh last season he didn't he didn't get a lot of uh he didn't put a lot of tread on his tires this past season i think he got about 150 touches uh so i think that uh behind this offensive better offensive line and um with Pat Shermer, sorry. Uh, with Pat Shermer, I think that he could uh, very be really benefit from that. And um, 
just surpass the the RB seventeen price tag that he's getting. Yeah, You're so the things I'm, I'm buying this 100%. Uh, the things that are valuable in fantasy football for running backs are the most valuable things are going to be receptions and touchdowns. And obviously, Derek, Melvin Gordon, he's he's going to be solid on the ground. Uh, Melvin, Philip Lindsay's arguably the better runner at this point, but Melvin Gordon is going to see goal line work and he's going to catch passes in this offense. So, I mean, I think he's a guy that's probably still going to see around 200 plus, 225 plus touches. I'm 100% buying that. I think that's one of the easiest buys in the offseason, despite what people think might be a committee. I, I don't see it. I think Melvin Gordon is the guy there. I think he's going to see 65% of the work and really, really impress this year. So, Le'Veon Bell, RB18, buy or sell? This is tough because I'm, I'm a bit biased with Le'Veon. I'm a Steelers fan. So, I, even though he's on the Jets, I, I, I just love the talent that he has. But – I'm going to go by here. I think that he's just a very talented player. They improved their offensive line. And I think that Adam Gase has finally figured out that he's probably, he is their best player on their, their offense. So he's going to have to give him the ball. And yeah, I think that he's still a guy that's going to get 250, 300 touches this year, uh, provide a receptions for. So yeah, I'm, I'm buying Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. They added in, they added in Frank Gore, but I'm still buying this. Uh, I think he'll probably finish like at RB 18 or maybe like RB 15. I don't see a huge, huge upside for him this year, but I'm still buying it. I think he's a really, really talented player. And he's one of those players that's dependent on a good offensive line. And I think it won't be worse than last year. That's for sure. I can't say how good it's going to be because obviously continuity is a big thing. And I think they have five new starters, but I don't think it'll be worse than last year. So that's really big. Buying Le'Veon Bell's RB18. Todd Gurley, RB19. Are you buying or selling? I think that I've um, warmed up to the idea of drafting Todd Gurley RB19 just because, you know, you're buying him as a low RB2. I think that's about where he's going to finish. So, um, yeah, in this offense, he's going to have a lot of opportunity to score uh, given how well they – or how talented it is. Like, they, they have – even though – you can say like, oh, they have 11 first-round picks, but they also just have straight talent. Like they have Matt Ryan at quarterback um, and two studs outside Julio and uh, Calvin Ridley. They brought in Hayden Hurst to replace uh, Austin Hooper. So I think that they're going to be a, a pretty good offense. And with that, he's going to have a lot of opportunities. So I'm going to go with uh, by here at RB19. Yeah, if I could say like just this is where he's going to finish, so I'll draft him as such. Uh, that's what I'd say for Todd Gurley. RB19 is about where I'd expect him, so I will that's also say – That's exactly how I feel about him. Yeah, like that, uh, I'll, I'll say bye as well just because there is potential that this offensive line does improve. And, I mean, I don't like a dirt cutter running back, but this offense is so high-powered. And if you're going to draft a guy that's going to get a lot of touches but isn't going to be very efficient, probably want to do it in a good offense so he can score touchdowns and Todd Gurley has potential to do so. So by Todd Gurley is the RB 19 crazy that I'm saying that kind of did a 180 on him this off season, but I'm not super, super low on Gurley. I'm just not as high as I feel like most analysts are, but RB 19 is it's, I think it's a pretty safe spot to take Todd Gurley. Um, Mark Ingram, RB 21. I'm going to say sell because I think that, I think he finishes a bit lower than this, and it's tough because I, I, I love Mark Ingram, the player, and I think that this offense is super is going to continue to stay super efficient. You're scared with, of J.K. Uh, Dobbins. I, I am a bit scared of J.K. Dobbins. I, I, don't, I don't think – well, I wouldn't say he's, I'm scared. I just think that he cuts into his workload a little bit more. 
I think that they're very similar players. It's just that uh, uh, Dobbins is a, is a rookie, doesn't have as much uh, tread on his tires. So he's fresh meat. So th- I think that they're going to use him more than people expect. And I, I could see this being a, 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 a one-two punch that with Lamar Jackson. So I don't, I think that it's going to be tough for any one of them to emerge out of this backfield without the touchdown volume. So I'm going to say sell. Yeah. I'm going to say sell here also. And this is, I'm actually as a Mark, if, if I owned Mark Ingram, I would be frightened because they didn't need a running back. They still got JK Dobbins. And the reason uh, I think Eric Costa is the GM's name. Um, he came out and said that they had a first round grade on Dobbins and it would have been quote unquote irresponsible to not draft him there. So when you – like the Ravens, who are a very, very good team at drafting, they, they almost never miss on draft picks. And you see it year in and year out. That's why they're almost always relevant. Um, they saw this guy as a first-round talent. And obviously they don't value the running back position that much because they were set at the running back position. But if you get a first-round talent at running back, you're not putting that on the bench. So he's going to see work. Does he take all the work from Mark Ingram? No. Ingram's going to be involved. Does Ingram finish his RB21? No, I think uh, 15 touchdowns is almost completely out of the question for him this year. And Dobbins is maybe going to end up finishing the year with just as many touches as Mark Ingram, along with Lamar Jackson being there. There's just a lot of negatives for Ingram, and the arrow is pointing downwards for him. So I will sell him as RB21. David Johnson is RB24. Are you buying or selling? His ADP has gone down throughout the offseason. I'm going to say buy now because – he still has a lot of upside being the guy in this, uh, this offense. Um, he has a lot to prove this year. I think that you're not spending as much capital as you were early in the off season. I think that with that being said, there's, there's still a lot of upside to, to draft him here at RB 24. That's a mid RB three for someone like, as long as he's healthy, I think that he's going to put up RB two numbers. So uh, worst case scenario, he plays a few weeks and you sell him high. So I, I'd be perfectly fine having David Johnson as my RB3. Yeah, I, exactly what you said. Sell him high because I, do I believe in David Johnson for the first few weeks of the season? Yes, absolutely. Um, Bill O'Brien is going to come out to try to make a point and make David Johnson look like the all-world running back he was in like 2016, 2017. I'm not really sure when it was because he traded away arguably one of the best receivers in fa- in all of football for David Johnson and like a second-round pick. So – Bill O'Brien looked like an idiot and he's going to try to save face and make himself not look like an idiot before he has to fire himself as a GM. So I don't think David Johnson is going to struggle out of the gate. I think he's going to come in, make a huge impact on day one. And I would love to sell him Um, as RB 24. I think if he is able to stay healthy, I'll absolutely buy this. I can't assume injury. Um, He does have the risk of just completely falling off as a football player. And we'll talk about a different running back later in that scenario, but yeah, like you said, uh, he's, he's going to see the ball. Um, he's not the best fit in this offense, but I'm still buying him as RB24. I think, like you said, perfect RB3. I really like David Johnson there this year. Raheem Mostert, RB26. Are you buying or selling? I like, I like Raheem Mostert at RB26. I'll say buy because, you know, he, he, he's in the most efficient running back, or, uh, rushing offense in the league, and they just added Trent Williams. So uh, as long as he gets about like 40, 50, 55% of the touches in this offense, I think that he could, um, he could finish as RB26. So I'll be buying Raheem Mostert at this value. That's like a mid to late RB3. I like him there. 
Yeah, Mostert, uh, exactly like you said, just good offense, good offensive line. Uh, he's going to run the ball. He's a game script dependent back in my opinion, but I don't see the Niners getting blown out very often. So he's always going to be involved in my opinion. And someone that I, as an RB3, you could do much worse. Uh, he has pretty good upside, uh, kind of like a discount Kenyon Drake almost um, with less pass catching. So there, there is potential there for him to score a lot of touchdowns and he's an efficient rushing offense. So yeah. Raheem Mostert, RB26, I'm fine with. I'm not really going much higher than that. Um, I think he'll finish at about RB26, considering the potential committee that is still brewing in San Francisco. So now we'll move to James White, RB35. I'd love to have James White as my RB35. I'm going to be buying this because of what we've seen from Cam over the past few seasons, working with Christian McCaffrey uh, as a receiving back. I think that he gets a, a ton of volume. He continue, well, I think that he continues to get volume with Cam Newton there. He's obviously gotten a lot of volume as Tom, with Tom Brady as his, uh, his uh, quarterback. And uh, with Sonny Michel kind of uh, starting to get the label of injury prone, I think that if he is he, – he's still at risk to, of injury – and if he does go down with injury, I think that James White could have a lot more upside from a week-to-week basis. So I think that getting that as your RB4, you're getting a guy that you can plug and play for to fill in for someone that's hurt on your roster and possibly put up uh, RB2 numbers or flex numbers. But uh, worst-case scenario, you're getting a flex here at uh, as your RB4, so I'll be buying this. Yeah, James White is a realistic candidate to be the number two target in this passing attack because uh, we've seen Cam as he's kind of matured as a quarterback. Obviously, CMC coming in is a huge impact on that, but he's learned to target the running back position more. And uh, James White is closer to CMC than he is to like Jonathan Stewart, who's what uh, Cam Newton was playing with beforehand. So I think he will be involved in this offense. A perfect flex, in my opinion, to get kind of like a safe guy. You'll never feel bad about starting him, but you're never going to feel like super good. Like, oh, this is the James White week. It's kind of hard to predict because the Patriots, are so, they're just a chameleon on offense. They kind of just morph to whatever the matchup is. But more often than not, James White should be one of the players that they're going to feature on a week-to-week basis. So I like James White as RB35. Jordan Howard, RB38. Jordan Howard is another guy that I like as my RB4. I think that he gets a, a decent amount of volume in Miami. I feel like he's kind of he's – re- he's really been hated on the past few years because of his uh, a lack of ability to catch passes. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm warming up to the idea of, of getting players in this Miami offense. I think that Chan Gailey uh, kind of provides some, some uh, beneficiary fantasy value for them. And uh, having Jordan Howard as a low wide or RB4, I, I don't think that's a, that's a bad value whatsoever. He's, gonna, he's a guy that can – I think that he's a lock for 150 touches as long as he's healthy. Oh, I'd say so. way more than that. I'd say almost like I can see him getting around 200, 220 touches this season, given the fact that I don't think Brita is going to be a workhorse whatsoever. I think that he's going to be the third down guy and maybe take some uh, touches away. But uh, overall, I can see Jordan Howard getting about 14 touches a game. And if he does, I think that he definitely surpasses this RB38 uh, value that, or ADP that he's going at, so I'll be buying Jordan Howard here. Yeah, I'm not sure where uh, Carlos Hyde finished last year, but I think Jordan Howard and Carlos Hyde have a lot of similarities based upon uh, what they are going to be in fantasy football. Uh, So Jordan Howard is going to be 2019's Carlos Hyde. He's someone that I think could realistically rush for over 1,000 yards and see maybe eight-plus touchdowns. Um, I don't know how much he'll get in the passing game. 
I know people down in Miami love him, though. They've been saying great things about him all offseason. He's a really good in-between-the-tackles runner. Um, if he stays healthy, I think, like you said, he's someone that I project for 225 to 250 touches, primarily on the ground, so they aren't going to be the most valuable touches, but there always is going to be touchdown upside with him. And this offensive line improved. Um, I don't know how much they improved, but I do think they got better. So Jordan Howard, there is, I think, some pretty solid upside. For, I, he could finish top 30, and I'll be buying him as RB38. Um, your boy, Tico, uh, Tevin Coleman, RB42. Um, I think I'd rather have Tico than Raheem Mostert at this value because absolutely, uh, yeah, just because I I I I want to be a part of this offense, this this highly efficient offense because they're they're super talented across the offensive line, and with Kyle Shanahan, they're going to be a very efficient rushing offense. So, um, I think either way, I want to be a part of it. So, I'd I'd like to spend the least amount of capital to be a part of it. So getting Tico as my – Tevin Coleman as my RB5, I certainly wouldn't mind, so I'll be buying this. Yeah, the, this is going to be a committee. Um, I think it's going to flip-flop. Uh, Raheem Mostert's going to be the guy to start. Uh, still, he's going to see like 15, 16 touches. Tico's going to be involved. People forget Tico was playing with a really bad high ankle sprain last year. Um, he did have time to recover whatever. I think he had one big game against like um, – was it Carolina? Carolina. Carolina yeah but Carolina sucked last yeah, year yeah everybody was eating against ground. Carolina um <laughs> so yeah I don't think Tico was himself uh, he has been a really good player really efficient player in that Kyle Shanahan offense before I think it does happen again he's still going to be efficient Jarek McKinnon could threaten for Tevin Coleman's touches but he also could threaten for Raheem Mostert so there's a chance of three-man committee but Tevin Coleman kind of I think is the best lock to stay involved because of his rushing and pass catching ability at the same time. And if he's healthy, I do like him behind this offensive line. So I will be buying Tico as the RB42. Uh, not many sells on this list now that I look at it. Um, I actually like the value on a lot of these guys because everyone's got like rookie fever right now. But the last guy on this list, uh, Duke Johnson, RB48. Are you buying or selling? I will be selling Duke Johnson at RB48. I think that David Johnson's a workhorse. So, um, yeah. Uh, and with Deshaun Watson, I don't think that he gets as much uh, passing volume as they really assumed that he would get. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be buying uh, Duke Johnson here. Yeah, I'm going to be buying Duke Johnson just because I think at this juncture in his career, he is the better football player than David Johnson. And it's going to take a lot for Bill O'Brien to swallow his pride and kind of realize that this is why I would be selling David Johnson if he does do well in the beginning of the season, because I think Eventually, Duke Johnson is going to play his way into more touches. He was not able to do that with Carlos Hyde last year because Bill O'Brien is borderline senile when it comes to getting players onto the field that deserve to play. And um, you saw that traded away DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. I think David Johnson, there's a chance, there's a pretty solid chance that he looks how he did last year after the first six weeks, and he just doesn't return to form. Uh, he's never been a great in-between-the-tackles runner. Duke Johnson is not going to be that guy, I think, there is a chance that Tim Kelly changes this offense and involves the running backs more in the passing game, in which case I would gladly buy both David Johnson and Duke Johnson because it is in their best interest to get these guys involved with no DeAndre Hopkins. You want to have as many viable targets as possible on the field for Deshaun Watson. Duke Johnson is one of the best receiving backs in the game. So as RB48, um, if David Johnson goes down, Duke Johnson, he's not going to be the workhorse, but he could definitely see like a 15, maybe 
13 to 15 touch workload. And with his efficiency, we've seen it before. He finishes the RB 13 in 2017 with a pretty solid workload. So there is the chance for him to be a pretty big, like, I don't want to say breakout, but a pretty big value. And I will take the chance on Dave, Duke Johnson, at least for the beginning of the season, to see how David Johnson looks. Because people saying David Johnson is going to come back to form are speculating, and there is the chance David Johnson is actually just washed. So we'll have to see. I would love to take a wait-and-see approach with Duke Johnson. Worst-case scenario, drop him, pick up somebody that's balling out on waivers. And, yeah, I think that's probably the best way to approach Duke Johnson this year with the Texans' backfield. Um, any other, like, old names that I think I'm missing here? I'm not sure. I don't think we're missing anybody. Adrian Peterson, uh, question mark? <laughs> that wraps things up for the opt out podcast if you want us to answer your questions make sure to ask us on social media our instagram is at first take fantasy and our twitter is at ft fantasy fb we'll be back on wednesday where we figure out which running backs have the best chance to jump into the elite tier in 2020